Well, welcome to this edition of Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, our host and producer, along with Eric Ryder today, who will be working the boards. We have a great show today. Actually, I have not had an individual in the studio for some time, but uh, today we have Mike Flynn, who was the editor and publisher of the Puget Sound Business Journal for almost a quarter century and who made a point not to just cover businesses in the Puget Sound region, but to actively engage and advocate on their behalf. After leaving the Puget Sound Business Journal, he went back to his entrepreneurial core and has been consulting and advising businesses ever since. At one time, he was a United Press International reporter, manager, and eventually responsible for UPI's business and marketing in the Western United States. So Voices of Experience, what is it? If you've been listening for any length of time, we talk to people with experience, quite simply, in public affairs, as we are today, talking to Mike Flynn. We do travel, fitness, education, special events with an emphasis on entrepreneurship, and we are going to talk to Mike about that later, about some of the things that we share in common in terms of entrepreneurism. Of course, him being the publisher and editor of the Puget Sound Business Journal, he has a lot of information there. And something else that he's working on, getting angel investors together to help women entrepreneurs out. So we're going to be addressing that as well. So there's very little theory on this show. We really try to talk to people again with experience. And um, I've talked about my book before, and I'll give it a shameless plug once again. And it's called, Is Self-Employment for You? Anyone can start a business, only a few can sustain a business. That's the title of it. And the reason I wrote that book is that there is an 80% or so failure rate among people going into small business for themselves. And all I want to do, again, is increase your prospects for success. I actually have a quiz in the book, and uh, there's 20 questions. And the higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for small business success. At least I think so. One of the questions, for example, is uh, are you organized? As an individual, you're thinking about going into business for yourself. Are you organized or are you flailing away and trying to find your pen or your pencil every day, lose your car keys, you don't get projects done, you don't execute? I submit that maybe self-employment is something you shouldn't pursue now, but the good news is that there's nothing on the questions that you can't improve upon. Now, if you don't want to buy the book, you can go to my website and take the quiz as well. That's full disclosure now, and you can go to VoicesOfExperience.com and take the quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com, and uh, you can, again, take the self-employment quiz. So back with Mike Flynn in just a few moments. You're listening to Voices of Experience. Following is a clipping I pulled out of a newspaper, and it's about the Reverend Susan O'Shea, and she is the former pastor of the Episcopal Chapel at Seattle's Pike Place Market. And she herself has been homeless and deals with people seeking shelter every day. The Reverend O'Shea was born in Seattle and was living on the streets herself by the time she was seven. The Reverend made the following remarks as it relates to homelessness. Two major causes. The inability to get along with people. This may be because of mental illness, drug addiction, poor social language skills. Some recommendations. Services should be offered throughout the region rather than concentrating them in downtown Seattle. 
Homelessness is the in issue. Some in the human services profession are empire building and poverty pimping. They make a living by overdramatizing people's problems. The tendency has been to go forward on the short term political gain rather than finding a long term solution. Additionally, there needs to be more training and backing of police to deal with the homelessness problem. And our advice for what we can do keep yourself informed and elect people who truly want to solve the problem. All right, so you may be thinking now, well, so we've heard all of this. What's new here? When I read this column to a few people over the weekend, uh, they thought it was interesting, but uh, what's new here? Well, when I told them when it was published, then their demeanor changed. This article was not new. It was actually quite old. This was an article that was written 25 years ago, and it was in my publication called Voices of Experience at that time. So the problems that we're talking about today were pinpointed 25 years ago. I recently did an interview with Jonathan Martin of the Seattle Times, and he concurred with uh, the Reverend O'Shea from 25 years ago, but neither of us knew that at the time. And one of the things he did say is that there are just too many agencies dealing with this problem. So check on that. All of the services should not be concentrated in one particular area. And that is, in our case, downtown Seattle. Check. Also, the fact that homelessness is caused by drugs, mental illness, alcohol. Yeah, check. Nothing's really changed there. Now, what has changed some is that our cost of living has gone through the roof, as we all know, in the last eight years or so. I mean, Seattle has been the fastest-growing city population-wise and number of new buildings in the country. The cost of living has risen like 60% in the last four or five years. A lot of people have been forced out of their homes and apartments. Seattle is not dying. It is thriving. And some people are dying and suffering. Very important distinction. Back to the article of Reverend O'Shea, we need better policing, check. And then, of course, think long-term, check. Elect people who will think long-term. Of course, we have a city council race coming up in which seven positions are open. That should be one of the first questions. But I also think that one of the challenges is that is something that was cited by Richard Weaver. And what he said is, the problem with the next generation is that it hasn't read the minutes of the last meeting. And I guess basically what he was saying, the more things change, the more they remain the same. Or another way of looking at it, look to history to find solutions for today's problems. Mike Flynn is in the studio, as I said, he will be. And um, Mike, welcome to Voices of Experience. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Paul. And uh, before we get into some of the background uh, things we're going to talk about, I wanted to just jump into the uh, Angels program, which are starting Angel Investors to help women entrepreneurs. Well, it's actually, we haven't even put it out yet, although it's taking shape. It's really an event next November at Bellevue College, partnered by WSU, to bring women women angels funders together with women entrepreneurs because there are cool, a lot of cool women with business ideas, but they don't know where to go for money. And increasingly, women angels are attuned to the fact they ought to be helping women entrepreneurs. In fact, there's an interesting uh, behind-the-scenes thing starting to go where women angels are approaching rich women who give millions to charity and saying, knock that off. From now on, give half of it to women entrepreneurs. When that becomes 
uh, clear there's going to be a little pushback from the nonprofit community. But the point is, women entrepreneurs have to get their money somewhere. So we're going to have an event, and it actually isn't my idea. I stole it from a friend of mine who's an investor in a company I've been involved with uh, that is a biotech company. And she told me about an organization she was with, of women entrepreneurs being served by women angels. And I said, ah, we can do that. I just have to make sure I'm not the person who becomes apparently the organizer of this and hand it over to some women. Right. So, uh, anyway, so uh, wanna... yeah, that's going to take place later in the fall, but that stuff needs to be worked out. Oh, it's out all set. Thing. November, that is set. November okay. 2nd, uh, Bellevue College. Okay. Uh, it's a Saturday. It'll be a day-long event. It starts with a panel. Then we'll have a Shark Tank-like session with angels interviewing entrepreneurs. Then a luncheon speaker and then a... Uh, Speed dating in the afternoon, so women entrepreneurs can go around, stop at each corner of the of the cafeteria, and talk to the angels. Well, that's great because uh, I've read that mm-hmm. entrepreneur women entrepreneurs are the fastest growing number of uh, individuals starting businesses now. So it's uh, very timely. I wasn't aware that of that fact, happen. but I'd believe it from yeah. I, I read that just a short time ago. So that's great to hear, mm-hmm. and. Um, Let's just skip right to it. If someone wants to find out more information about that, how would they do that? <laughs> can I give somebody my email? <laughs> you can do that. Uh, Mike at emikeflynn.com. I always tell people, don't forget the E. My first name is Eugene Michael. So Mike at emikeflynn.com. Say, hey, I'd like to be involved with that. Okay. One more time on the email. Mike at emikeflynn.com. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> So I uh, got that out of the way. I wanted to talk about that because that's something you're working on now going forward, and you've been doing a number of things in the community. And I uh, wanted to just drop back just for a moment and talk about your life at the Puget Sound Business Journal because that magazine has been around forever, and uh, at least I remember, it's still going strong. And uh, you have received a lot of accolades for what you did at the time, that that was a, a thriving newspaper again, which it is now. One of the few that you look across the country, what's happening in newspapers. But having said all that, I wanted to jump into this. What are the things that happened during the time when you were the publisher, editor, that really stands out in your mind? Well, from the outset, uh, because I'm not a business-savvy person, I'm a journalist, I had to become business-savvy. I said, we're not going to write about numbers and how people profit and margin. I want to write about people and their stories, because that's what people want to read about. Those stories are going to have embedded in them information about how they did. But uh, uh, So we focused on doing people stories, and I have to share with you, kind of to me and amusing, I started out at United Press International as a loving sports writing, and I got every sports writing opportunity I could, because sports was filled with heroes, villains, winners, losers, smoke-filled rooms, and really interesting competitive stuff. Then I became a political writer with some reluctance in Olympia while Dan Evans was governor because I thought people in politics were selfish, self-focused. Egomaniacs. Egomaniacs. Right. Well, then I found out, no, they're not. They're like people in sports. They're filled with with heroes and goats and agony, uh, thrill of victory, agony of defeat, just like sports. And then I became a business editor uh, I accepted the job as a business editor, even though I thought business people, I don't care for them. They're rednecked. They're self-focused. Uh, they don't care about people who work for them. And I found all of that is a myth. 
And so they were like people in sports. Thrill of victory, agony of defeat, winners, losers. And so I fell in love with all three of those because they're all people things. As long as the people is the focus, they can be very interesting. I think uh, that being a journalist from that background gives you so many opportunities to make those observations, which many people don't get. You know, that opportunity to view it that way, go in with a mindset, and then you find out it's far different. Out it's wrong. And I think that's <laughs> the most exciting thing in life when you do that's go right. in with an attitude like that, and <laughs> you go, I wow. Think that way? Why did I think that exactly. way? Exactly. Or you meet somebody that mm-hmm. you've seen from afar, and you've made up your mind about that person, and then that person's entirely different. If we have time, I'm going to tell you that individual <laughs> that I met um, and, like and that. did that at <clears throat> one point. So, so one of the things I want to share, though, sure. is that uh, there's a sense about media that the advertisers own you and you do whatever they tell you. So I have to tell you a couple of stories. Uh, one, early on, there was a PR firm that came to have lunch with me, and they said, we have a client, and if you do a story about them, then they'll buy advertising. And I said, no, no, it doesn't work that way. And they said, well, no advertising. And I said, Actually, there'll probably never be a story and there'll never be an ad. And they were not comfortable with their client sitting there to have me tell them that. I think eventually they bought some ads and then we probably did a story if it was worth it. Uh, and the other one was uh, there was a time when uh, I learned that realtors were very upset with our coverage. They said, you're negative about us and stuff. And I didn't plan to change my coverage, but I wanted to give them an opportunity to tell me what they thought. So I had lunch. And I said, okay, so I gather you guys have some dissatisfaction. And nobody talked. Well, at that point, Martin Selig, who most people know, is the builder of the... And he was the guy in the room? Story. That was the story about him? <clears throat> he came to the door. And he said, you know, I'll tell you what I think. It's you write negative stories about us, so we have to do advertising to make up for it. And I said... Conspiracy theorists. Now, you guys all heard that. Nobody's going to be more insulting than that, so tell me what you think. <laughs> so, Good for you. Fine, so. so how did that result? Did he end up advertising? And Oh, he always what? advertised. Okay. Sure. Yeah, he was explaining why he had to because we wrote negative things about it. Put the positive thing forward. Are there some people who uh, really stand out in your mind, let's say some public officials or business leaders, that you really think made a huge difference in this area and we should really – Take note of that. You know, uh, this area is uniquely populated by the heroes who cared about the community and became hugely successful. You know, you can run through all of the Boeing people, uh, Weyerhaeuser, Amazon, Alaska Airlines, which is a very community-focused uh, company. Um, and the interesting thing is in the, in the cellular field, this was the mecca in the world of cellular uh, experts, starting with Craig McCaw uh, and John Stanton, current owner, major owner of the Mariners and their CEO, came out from that. And Michael Thompson, uh, Michael and, and John built a company called Western Wireless. And then they spun out something called Voicestream, which became Deutsche Telekom, which became T-Mobile. Um, and I once, I told John several times, I'd see him at events, and I said, because my wife and I bought stock in Western Wireless before I really bought any other stock. And it was at 15 bucks. Within a year and a half, Voicestream was spun out. It became $86. Voicestream. Nice. Western Wireless is about 50 And I'd said to John, 
You know, my wife and I have a picture of you, and we burn incense in front of that every night. <laughs> you got I got it. it. Full disclosure, I'm uh, very good friends with Michael Thompson. As a matter of fact, I partnered up with him and in part owner of the Tacoma Rainiers, which yeah. uh, he bought. I went to school at WSU when Michael was there. Actually, he'll keep telling you I was three years ahead of him. He's a young <laughs> lad or whatever. But I told him I was in the office at ASWSU when we were in student government, and I said, you remember the time when I picked up the phone and the cord was attached to the base? And I said, you know, someone needs to figure out where we can do this wireless. And I said, you remember that, Michael? He didn't. But um, Well, actually, anyhow. John Stanton and Michael Thompson are the coolest, really untold, except in my column, business story. I'd have to agree. Because uh, uh, John was a graduate of Whitman. He loved Whitman. He ran. The, he was the head of the the regents, and then the Walla Walla Sweet Onions, a sub-pro baseball team, became available. So John said to Michael, they share office together because they now are a venture fund. Um, he said to Michael, you have to come in with me. So uh, they did, and then Michael grew up in Tacoma watching the, I can't remember which they were back in. I think they were Tacoma Giants, 1960. We've right. talked about that. So he told me, they hadn't been there for 30 years when he and his dad, he was seven, went to the first game. And he said, from that time on, I watched them, and suddenly they're available. I can't not buy that team. So he said, I'll call John and said, you got to come in with me. <laughs> and so it may be the only situation in the U.S. where the major league's major owner is also a key owner of the AAA <laughs> franchise. Right. Yeah, it's an amazing team that they've had over the years, and I agree with you mm-hmm. that it is uh, an untold story that's really remarkable just just beyond that and just two i don't know john stanton at all i've met him once or twice michael i know well what class acts they are and they're all community focused yes actors yeah absolutely and um when i saw michael was involved i said hey i want in and i'm really happy i did because they run a grand great (laughs) franchise down in tacoma have you been down to a game there lately no it's been quite a while you got to do it i did ask michael once because they office together i said uh, I said, so when the Mariners pull up one of your key players, do you reach under the desk and kick Stanton? And he said, no, that's just the way the game is played. We have to help major league team. Right. Any particular individual <clears throat> uh, public official that you just hold in the highest esteem that really made the biggest impact on this state? Well, that's hard, but Dan Evans certainly is a key standout. People are negative about politics now, but the state had two of the most important senators in the nation in in Henry Jackson and Warren Magnuson together. And then it became Dan Evans and Slade Gordon to think that they had that kind of power from this state uh, over 40 years. Um, but Dan Evans was, uh, he was a very uh, focused on service guy. He was a moderate Republican. And so uh, his, uh, the guy who was his uh, state Republican chairman was a very savvy guy named Gummy Johnson. He always made sure that there were people criticizing Evans from the right so that he would become an obvious middle-of-the-roader. So, so as a result of that, King County Republicans were always on the outs with, with Evans. But um, one of the coolest, I did a column not long ago because it was 50th anniversary of Dan um, there was a guy named Art Fletcher who was an African-American former football player who came to the Tri-Cities, and he had a 
a self-help philosophy that fitted Republicans more than Democrats, and so he was a Republican, and he brought that philosophy to the mostly black East Pasco community and helped them bring themselves up. And so Evans uh, and Slade Gordon, then Attorney General Evans, governor, discovered him, and Dan told me about uh, two Republicans plotting to make the first black man governor in their state. <laughs> you know, it's not like you... You're talking 1968 1968. Or right? They said, and so they brought him into their campaign material, and he was seeing four young... Actually, the attorney, the Secretary of State then was also a young guy. So there's just 40-ish, four guys walking in unison. One of them is the black guy and three white guys. To think that a Republican, uh, the two Republicans would lead a private secret campaign to create a black governor is, today, that would be unfathomable. From reading your column, um, he did not win lieutenant governor, so that kind of no, didn't work uh, out, No, right? but that was another example of uh, Gummy Johnson's cleverness. He he told me that uh, hydroplane driver Bill Muncie, he said we had to have Art beat somebody so he could be a winner before he went in the general election against lieutenant governor John Sherberg. So he said, I called Bill, I called Muncie and said, we'd really like you to run for lieutenant governor. And Muncie said, what, what do they do? And he said, it's simple. Everybody will know you. We'll pay for your filing. You'll be paid as the number two person in the state government. And everybody enjoys spending time with you. It's, it's really fun. So he, he ran, but he didn't know how to run. And he wasn't given any help. And so Art Fletcher beat him. So he was the giant killer who beat... Bill I see. Okay, then I got that wrong. I did read your column closer then. Uh, well, we're going to be uh, coming up in a few moments. Uh, we got about uh, six minutes to go, and I wanted to talk about uh, get your entrepreneur uh, type of uh, input before we go. But I also want to let the people know that you have a column that is you. It's kind of an email column that you send out. I find it fascinating i got to read it closer next time about uh, the uh, Art Fletcher story. But how would someone get that? It is free. So oh, that's very kind that? of you. It's free. Uh, in fact, I once asked my son, I said, I went to Gonzaga, and Gonzaga was uh, going to be a football power like Notre Dame in the 20s, and they came pretty close. So I said, what do you think people would say if I did a column about Gonzaga football? He said, you're not going to get paid, right? I said, no. He said, well, write whatever the hell you want. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's my mantra. Uh, it's um, it's Flynn's harp. If you email me, I just put you on, and it's on the internet also. Okay, and then people can Google Mike Flynn, and you'll get you'll be called up, and they can get it to that way too. If well, they if can't they do remember Flynn's all this. harp, it comes up. Okay, well that's great. So we'll be back, and I want to shift gears in just a moment to talk about some of the myths of going into business. At least I think they are, and get Mike Flynn's comments on those. Are you thinking about self-employment? Visit Amazon or order a book called Pre-Flight Checklist. Is self-employment for you? Pre-Flight addresses eight myths surrounding self-employment and includes a self-employment quiz. The higher you score, the higher your prospects for success. Visit Amazon Books and input Pre-Flight Checklist. That's Pre-Flight Checklist.
Welcome back to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer of Voices of Experience. We're talking to Mike Flynn, and uh, we wanted to shift gears now into talking about some of the myths about going into business. Now, I wrote the book, and I had eight myths listed, and I'm not going to go through all of those because we're running out of time. But I want to ask Mike to pick out a myth, and let's discuss it. I picked uh, your number four, the customer is always right. Uh, the customer generally, I think, is not initiated to the things you can do for them. And they come up with an idea, and you know it's not going to work. You owe it to the customer to say, no, John, we're not going to do it that way. Uh, because here's what the reality is of this readership or this event. Um, and y- y- the customer has to, in some respects, not put down, but be treated as a child who's learning. Uh and they, d- they deserve your help. They're paying you for it. And so if you do as they want you to do, it may be a dumb idea, and you owe it to them not to do dumb ideas in their behalf. Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, along those lines with uh, when you start out in business, you really are desperate to bring anybody in the door. And sometimes that's a very critical time where you can make some mistakes on that. And some of the customers, I think um, you got to be very wary, and that's kind of what I'm driving at. When I talk about that, that the customer is always right because a bad customer can put you out of business. Almost happened to me twice. I should have been more scrutinized on who they are and not automatically go in and say, okay, I'll just continue to do the business for you because you're the customer. I think you learn to be much more discerning. Oh, I see. I agree with that. Absolutely. Do you have another myth? Um, Jeez, I didn't look that closely. A business plan is just a giant wish list. (laughs) A lot of people do put every possibility in their business plan, but really the business plan should just be the key that I'm going to stick in the door to open it into my business, and I better know how I want to walk in that door. But beyond that, events are going to determine where you go with your plan. You know what? I can't add to that at all. That's exactly, I said it differently, but that's exactly, I think I, I, think the, I like the way you said it better <laughs> about key walking to the door. I can visualize that. So anyhow, unfortunately, we are out of time. And how much we have? About two minutes. Okay. So um, that is all the time we have for this edition. And I want to thank Mike Flynn for being such a special guest today and for coming into the studio. Now, if you want to listen to any show for the last year and a half, you can Google KKNW, then click on to archives. And at the bottom of that page, you can click on to Voices of Experience. And again, you can hear Shows including NPR's Robert Siegel. I um, also had Mark Victor Hansen, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, on uh, about a year and a half ago. Did a show, a couple shows actually, on homelessness and visited the Bread of Life mission in Seattle's Pioneer Square. And this show today will be archived. So, anyhow, you can listen to any show that you may have missed. This show will be also uh, rebroadcast Friday at 1 30 p.m. So, Have a great rest of the week or weekend, depending on when you're listening to the show.